Welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my good friend, Jim Stam. He is the uh, conductor of the brand new hit sensation on Twitter, the Jaggies. And boy, did that go well. (laughs) How you doing, brother? It went well for most people. Maybe for about 10 or 11, it didn't go so well, but... Eh, you know what? You got to break a few eggs along the way. But I don't dude, know. people that took it in a good-natured way are fine. I know, I know, right? But uh, listen, I'm super pumped. We got a uh, a very cool guest today. Um, we got uh, the Jaggies going on. We've got podcast guest appearances. We're doing. We got baseball starting. So let's just jump right into it. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. So with us uh, today is a special guest. He is the Latin American beat writer out of Venezuela, Juan Miguel Marquez. And he's going to pronounce his website for you because <laughs> I tried before the show and it didn't go well. How you doing, Juan? Hi, Gary. Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me today. Uh, um, hello to all the fans um, here in DK Pittsburgh Sports Network uh, in the Pirates Fan Forum. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, we're super happy to have you, man. You got a unique perspective. It's going to be a lot of fun talking through it. So I figured before we get into asking questions about the Pirates and whatnot, let's let's start with getting to know you a little bit because you're relatively new to this beat. Yeah. And you got assigned the Pirates, so it's not like you're a lifelong allegiance to the Pirates type guy, but <laughs> that's probably best when you're doing journalism, right? Well, it has been really cool, and it's a cool story to tell. Uh, so let's begin. Um, I'm a broadcaster and a writer of sports, okay? Uh, I cover baseball and soccer. Uh, and uh, a friend of mine was in, uh, I'm going to pronounce the, the website, Con Las Bases Llenas, uh, which it translates into with the bases loaded, okay? <laughs> and, and that friend of mine said, hey, uh, would you like to come here and write about a team of the Major Leagues? And I said, okay, cool. So I got in and uh, the CEO of the, of the web page uh, said, okay, let's assign uh, teams that doesn't have a beat writer. And there were like three or four teams that didn't have a, a beat writer. Uh, among them were the Oakland Athletics, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Baltimore Orioles, and... They said, well, you can choose any team you want. I said, well, I, I could do any team if you want. If you have any favorites, uh, you can select them and, and then leave it the, the team that remains to me. I don't have any problem. Uh, and uh, they assigned me the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was amazing because I, I was starting to getting into all the, the coverage of the Pirates, all the beat writers uh, in the United States, your show uh, and other uh, podcasts, YouTube videos uh, and Twitter accounts. And my Twitter account grew uh, at a level that I didn't imagine in my life, uh, like 40 followers or so, or I could say a little bit more. In just, There's no hug like a Pittsburgh hug, one. It's amazing. In just <laughs> two days. Uh, and I said... 
wow, 40 followers in two days. And, and they're all from the Pittsburgh Pirate community. I really felt the love. Uh, and I said, well, it, was, it wasn't it was a choice, really. I'm not going to lie to you. But uh, I really love that. Yeah, I really like that love that was shown to me. And I said, well, this was the right team to, to be writing uh, about, to be reading about. Well, you, you must be doing something right because <laughs> I'm getting a bunch of coverage, uh, a bunch of follows from Venezuela now. So yeah. I have to say that people are reading your stuff and seeing your retweets and everything. So I guess my, my first question for you is how are fans like in Venezuela or Latin America in general coming to decide which Major League Baseball team they're going to follow? That's a pretty fun fact because – as a fans, the Latin American is very regionalistic, okay? Uh, for example, I'm going to talk about Venezuela. Here in Venezuela, the professional league has only eight teams, okay? Only eight for all the country. Uh, and we have 24 states, so we don't have a team per state. We only have eight teams for all the country. And considering your, your, your city of birth, you select the team that you want to follow. If you don't have the, the, right. a, a team in your city, well, you have to be a supporter of a team that it's near to you. <laughs> Basically, well, that. that's how we wound up with the Pirates. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> <We're just Yeah. laughs> yep. So uh, the Venezuelan, locally speaking, they are very regionalistic. So how do we choose the MLB team to follow? Well, uh, they, uh, there's also another, yeah, another reason to follow teams, and there are their popularity. Okay, uh, so teams like the Yankees or the Red Sox are very followed right. here. Uh, just be- I figured. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go yeah, on, go Dodgers. ahead. I, I just I figured. Yeah, right away. The Dodgers probably. Yeah. Right. And there's another criteria, very important the team that has the most Venezuelans in. <laughs> so uh, if you want, if you remember some, uh, the, for example, the Detroit Tigers uh, on the 2013, I think, they had like four or five Venezuelans, you know, uh, right. including Miguel Cabrera, uh, Carlos Gonzalez. Yeah, I'm pronouncing the, the, the Spanish names in English. <laughs> that, well, that's because I'm an, an English podcast, but <laughs> I can't pronounce it in Spanish. <laughs> We get you enough say, of that. We get enough of that from Greg Brown here. We're good. So you, you just do what you want to do. You can do it however you like. Miggy's good enough for us. We get it. No, I, I and I kind of thought that was the case. Um, I thought it was going to be player aligned. You know, um, this guy came from my hometown, so yeah, yeah I'm going to root for him. I, I completely understand that. Um, we do that well, a little bit here. I would say, right. Yeah, and, and something I was going to ask you, Juan, is like you mentioned to us before we started that um, baseball is actually bigger than soccer there. Yeah. Um, so is that has that always been the case, it, or how how has that worked out? And is it like close, and and baseball is just a little bit more, or is it wildly different? I would say it's widely different because um, we create uh, baseball stars practically every day. So uh, as I'm covering both sports, uh, I could say that in soccer, it's a little bit, a little bit more difficult to find that talent, you know, that, that breakout talent that um, you can say that, that later uh, it could be a potential big star in, in the sport. But in baseball, that doesn't happen. Uh, we have 
a lot of players that that reach the MLB and they become incredible stars. Miguel Cabrera, Salvador Perez, eh, etc. See, I and I love so many of those players too. Like they, they come up almost seem like they have longer careers because because of the international draft, they come in so young. They end up playing a lot longer in Major League Baseball when they actually hit. So we right. have to take a quick break here to pay the bills, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Juan about a few other really interesting angles for covering baseball internationally. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Jim Stam with you and our buddy Juan Miguel Marquez. So we have to take special advantage of this situation, right? How often do you get to interview somebody that, that's actually in Latin America covering baseball? The international draft was a hot subject, and, and it's still up for debate, right? They haven't even decided on how that's going to play out yet. We heard here that, and I heard personally from players, um, especially Latin players, they do not want anything to do with an international draft. I'd like to know if you have any insight on why they're so against that. What would it change for them? Like, what does that take out of their um, opportunity bucket? Okay. Um, I, I have seen very divided opinions about it, Okay. Uh, I have seen players um, from Venezuela, actually, that are that are with the international draft, that they support the international draft, and I have seen uh, also opinions like uh, like the Fernando Tatis Jr. opinion that was very popular. Well, he 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 took advantage of uh, of his as an important player, so uh, he knew his opinion was important when he told it. Uh, why some uh, okay let's uh, do both um, both ways why some players hate it because you are kind of eliminating the fact that the organizations approach the player and offer him bonus base uh, I, I mean uh, yeah they offer hit them bonuses to get into right. some teams okay uh, to practically it's like uh, you compromise with those teams since, since a young age. Okay, uh, in in Latin America, uh, what I have seen is that uh, the talent is scouted uh, from very young ages. Uh, I yes. should say from 13 to 16 years old. Uh, unlike we uh, what we seen in in the states, in America, you can say that a player it's uh, it's scouted uh, between 18 and even 26 year old, and it's still considered a prospect. Okay. But for the international talent, it, it, it's unlikely. It, it, they got drafted right. very young. They have to enter a system uh, from a very young age to be transformed in the next big star, and not always, uh, and not always happens. So uh, I think some players hate it because uh, that thing that um, they uh, there's no a motivation. Uh, I guess to get into the uh, to to being better, you know, to I develop mean, I've heard yourself. Something, 
I've heard uh-huh. something very similar. Not, I, I, let me just try to say what I've heard, and you tell me like if you can if this confirms. Yeah, because I think it's along the lines of what you're saying to me here. I've heard I don't want to wait until I'm 18. Yeah, to make it into a system. I want that bonus money at 16. If I don't get it when I'm 16, I'm going to be forced into something else in my country because I ha- I can't afford to wait to start making money. Yeah. It's right? interesting. <clears throat> so, okay. So the other side of it, cause you said some people were okay with it. Uh, well, I-, I heard an interview with um, Bobby Abreu and, and he said he was with the international draft and the explanation he um, he said was that it was good that the organizations looked for the talent from the very young age because they compromise themselves with the players. It's like um, the Pirates uh, seen a, a very young Venezuelan talent, 14 years old. Uh, this is an example, of course. And the Pirates yeah. invest in that talent from the very young age in the system. They care about the player. They develop the player in the areas they... They, they think they, it needs development. Um, and practically, it, it takes the player by the hand on the way to the minors. And then uh, if, if he can done it, uh, if he can successfully uh, done it, uh, well, making it into the big leagues. Right. So, so let me ask you, uh, Juan. You're seeing it from both sides, I'm sure. Um, I mean, where do you fall on this? And I, I just want to, I just want, you know, because you, you, you probably have as much information or perspective on the situation as anybody. What do you think and where do you fall with it? Uh, I think it, it, I'm with the international, I, I support the international draft 100%. Uh, I think it's really cool for the young talents, just for the reason that Gary said before, uh, that if the player doesn't feel that since the young age that he can he can live of baseball, you know that, that he can dedicate to baseball. Uh, so eventually he did. Oh, okay, I don't have enough talent, so I have to look for another job. I have to um, to make a decision. I have to go to college. Uh, I have to make a career of some of something else. So I like the idea that. The player, since the very young age, feels that, okay, I'm really good at this, and this team is going to help me to achieve my full potential. Uh, I think that's really, really good. That really, really so, cool. I, one, one last thing on this point before we move on to something else, but I, I wonder if a good compromise, because it sounds like we, we kind of understand the issue here. I wonder if a good compromise might be having an international draft but changing the selection age outside of the United States to 16. I wonder if that might change some things. I think that will have more acceptance. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting subject because it's something I wanted to get my arms around because it's one thing to sit here and talk to a couple players and, and kind of formulate an opinion. It's another thing to just kind of understand really what what's happening here and why some people are so passionately against it. So I thought we would talk about uh, a little bit of some players that you've really had catch your eye this, this year that you're really paying close attention to. I've seen you all over Diego Castillo and Oof. I understand that I'm super excited <laughs> about him too. So 
Anybody you want to touch on in particular? Uh, and he's Venezuelan also. So there's yeah. double the reason for me to be excited about Diego Castillo. He he just exploded in this spring training. So obviously I'm very, um, I'm very excited to, to watch him. Well, uh, I was um, uh, tweeting that I want to see him in the MLB roster of the Pirates. I hope so. <laughs> I love, I love, I love Juan though. Like if it's like us from Pittsburgh, anybody that's from Pittsburgh, that's one of the first things we do is mention they're from Pittsburgh. Juan does the same thing with the Venezuelan players. So that lines up, per, that lines up perfectly with this area. So you're good there, but he looks really good. Doesn't he? I mean, he's, he's had a heck of a spring. Yeah. I also love Nick Gonzalez. Nick Gonzalez is crushing it. Uh, I think that even if he, he doesn't, if he doesn't make the the roster, uh, the MLB roster, he, he will be soon there. Uh, I, I also, Neil Cruz, uh, that was news yeah. lately that he's going to play in Triple A. Yeah, and and, and I think um, like Diego for me, and I tweeted this out today, is. I'd like to see him if he's going to make the team. I want to see him play. I want to see him get at bats. Like so, that would be my concern is if if they're just going to let him make the roster and then not play him a lot. That's really not what I'm looking for. I'd rather I'd rather them get him back down in AAA and get him at bats and then then bring him up when you think he's fully ready. And you're really going to commit to playing him. So that would be the only thing that I thought about today when we're talking about whether he can make the roster or not. What player do you put in the third base right now? If it's not Kebrian Hayes due to injury. If it's not Kebrian Hayes, I would imagine they would use Hoy Park. Oh, okay. But I would want it to be Diego Castillo. <laughs> yeah. And and Michael, Michael Chavis can play there too. But to me... Michael Chavis is the main competition for Diego Castillo. And I think that there's really no competition there if you're just going to line up what they've done this spring. Diego Castillo has kicked his butt sideways. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. So really, to me, it's and, – and Jim and I, we wanted to see Chavis. We just haven't seen anything from Chavis. And, you know, if you're going to run a meritocracy, you got to make it pay off every once in a while. And I think – Diego Castillo has earned his spot, so I'm ready. O'Neal Cruz, I honestly think he probably needs a little bit of defensive work. I do. Okay. Um, just 21 errors and 230 chances last year scares me a little bit. <laughs> you know, that's that's a lot, and that will not fly in MLB. So um, this is going to predate your fandom of the Pirates or covering the Pirates, but <laughs> – Pedro Alvarez could hit a ton too. He just couldn't field. So, like, it, yeah, it and stopped. then it turned it yeah. turned into something else altogether with him and mentally. Yeah. So, um, you know, you got to be careful about that too. I think so many people tend to um, look. You can make the argument all day long. Cruz should could and should be on the major league roster, but I don't want to discount guys. Guys value their defense. And it's important to guys that they play good defense. And if you're running out there and you're struggling, it can carry over, especially for a young guy. So it's just something that I think fans discount almost entirely. And I just don't go completely there with it. 
So Juan, this has been awesome. Anything else you wanted to bring up today? I know you were, you were talking about a couple topics you had in mind. Well, uh, I wanted to take advantage of this great opportunity, guys. Uh, I wanted to say thank you once again. Uh, I wanted to ask you something about the coverage of the Latin American journalism or broadcasters on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, how do you feel about uh, the involvement of the Latin American community in covering the Pittsburgh Pirates? I mean, I love it. First of all, I love all of the national coverage. There, there's a um, there's a, a guy that I follow that covers the Pirates out of uh, Tokyo. Okay, and we talk a lot too, and it it's pretty cool to like. It, and he started um, covering the Pirates when we had uh, uh, Park. It's gong, gong. I was going to say gong. Park. We have Park here. <laughs> when we had, uh, had Jung Ho Gong. He started covering them because they were familiar with the Korean Baseball League as well. So, you know, it, it's awesome, all the international coverage and everything. And, and it's I love the different opinions and the different styles of baseball that get played in different regions and, and whatnot. But Pittsburgh doesn't have a huge Latino community. I imagine so that. We don't have we don't have a lot of that stuff. I know the Penguins have kind of dipped their toe into having some, some foreign language um broadcasts but not here yet for the pirates i haven't heard it at least and and juan let me ask you real quick you know people here we complain about access to major league baseball how is it there do you guys i mean is it is it easy to get games and whatnot because even people here complain about blackouts and yeah. you know ridiculous packed uh tv packages Well, imagine if you have blackouts, imagine it here in Venezuela. Uh, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> And in terms of the costs, uh, it, it also it, it is also very rough here in Venezuela uh, because we have our TV services uh, that, uh, okay, the, there's a lot of coverage, but you can see old games. Uh, you, have to, right. you have to go to streaming services And the streaming service as well, they're, they're a little bit expensive. So you have to consume what the TV has to offer you. So okay. uh, that so it's so it's access and cost. Yeah, there. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> they so, they need to get baseball needs to get on it there. I mean, my goodness, if you can't if you can't supply the content there, then that's a shame. Yeah. Well, you know, this is. This is the city of Roberto Clemente, so we're always going to appreciate Latin players probably more than a lot of places, you know. And I mean, we were talking a little bit off air that, you know, he's a god in Puerto Rico, right? <laughs> I mean, they, they literally worship the man. And I, I just think that baseball it, itself could do better for, for outreach easily by just getting on board with, with streaming a little bit better. They're starting to, to dip their toe in with like um, Apple Plus and, and some different streaming networks like that. That sort of thing might actually gain some traction and really help kind of grow the game out internationally a little bit, I think, make the access a little easier to get a hold of. You can get access to certain streaming pages that I wouldn't recommend that much. You don't have to pay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> But, <laughs> well, let's not talk about VPNs and Reddit cracks right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would not like to recommend any of that. <laughs> no, that stuff's illegal, Juan. Of yeah. course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
man, Juan, what a pleasure to talk to you, man, and get to know you. We'll, we'll definitely have to have you back on the show here as you get into the season. Like you start getting a little season, maybe you get yeah. into like July or whatever. We'll have you back on, huh? No, it, 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 I had uh, a great time with you guys. Uh, I really enjoyed myself. Uh, I was telling you uh, um, outside of the recording that this was my first time in a English podcast, uh, and I, I'm really happy. I'm really honored. And I hope to return very soon. Oh, oh man, dude, you, you did great. This was this was fantastic. And there's, I would never guess this is your first time doing it. And I will throw this out there, that um, if you've never been here, if you've never been to PNC Park, you find a way over here, man. Gary and I'll I take care to. of you. Okay, I have to. Okay? Absolutely, we 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 will take care of you if you can do it. Absolutely, North Shore Tavern. <laughs> we'll, be we'll do it up, man. Off a couple. Thank yep. you. We'll do it up. Yep. Hey, good stuff. fan forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Um, boy, it was great talking to Juan. That was really cool. I definitely got to do that again. I give you big props. That was all Gary's idea. And, um, yeah, Juan was great. He knows his stuff. Um, and uh, we just talked to him a, a good half hour offline. And um, I can't wait to have him back at some point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's let's let him actually get a little bit of Pirates baseball under his belt. We'll see how jaded he becomes in a couple months. Right? Well, we'll see. We'll see him again in like three months. He's gonna have like he's he's gonna be balding and yeah. big big Tom Hanks castaway beard, and uh, we'll apologize to him then. Yeah. So hey, let's let's start talking about what's been stressing us out, huh? I mean, this Brad oh, Reynolds stuff, man. Like, you know, I. I'm appreciative of, of Dayon for, for covering the story the way he did. You know, he writes and gives you some reassurances that, like, this is not something they're openly pursuing right now. It's not going to happen right this second. But you never say never, and even he said that. And it sounds like they're pursuing an extension. So, hey, positive stuff, that's good. But man, it, the whole collective universe explodes every time you hear a rumor. And maybe the reason that this rumor hit so hard was, you know, it's it's on top of everything else that's been happening. And, and the lack of communication from this team is just, it's deafening. <laughs> it's deafening. And perplexing. Yeah, but this came Sometimes. from a team that could actually afford it. And I think that's what scared people so much, is this is a team that actually has the package. They could do it. It's just a matter of would they do it. Yeah, and I mean, let's let's get it out there, too. The names that we heard, that that's not going to get it done. And um, I don't know where some of that came from, but it would have to be a much better package than what we saw initially reported. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, like, there's there's definitely nothing there that, that makes you say, uh, yeah, this is this is a, a keeper. I really think they're going to go for it. I, I just don't see it. Uh, and some of the names in particular, like Sebastian Gore, people were throwing around a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, what the hell do you want him for? 
I mean, that's Mitch Keller. That's Mitch yeah. Keller. He, he had a highly touted prospect, supposed to come up here and revolutionize the starting rotation and take over. Took a big step back. Yeah, and, and he's had injury problems. And, and I'm not saying he can't figure it out or he doesn't have some kind of pedigree, but mm-hmm. let's be honest, though. That would be like some team having Mitch Keller as a big chip they had to have in return right now based on his couple games of spring. Yeah. I mean, do you see that? I don't. And and to me, no. Sebastian Gore would be for right now. Well, aren't you saying you don't give a crap about right now if you trade Brian Reynolds? Well, I mean, that would be obvious. We touched on that a couple of so shows ago. So what would be the point? <laughs> what would be the point? Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I'm not sure if it's – if it's something that just gets legs because Brian Reynolds' name is just coming up so often, and so anytime it's mentioned in Pittsburgh, of course the reaction here is going to be anger, panic, um, confusion. But uh, it sounds like they've communicated to Brian Reynolds that they'll listen on anything, and um, they've told him that. I mean, that's good. I, I mean, I guess you that should be the bare bones of what you would do with someone that you've got as a, as a player, um, you know, in your system. But my hope would be that you're also telling him, we're listening, the chances of it happening are just completainly, completely remote, and we want to have you here long term. That, that certainly doesn't jive with Jason Mackey's accounting of today where – the no. guy's sitting in the locker room looking up MLB trade rumors on his phone to make sure that he's still a pirate. Yeah, and, I mean, and not wanting to go out and practice with his team because he doesn't want to be out there while everyone's asking questions. Well, and and you know, I heard the uh, I heard the reasoning was also that uh, he wanted to get some some inside work done. I, look, we can we can we can speculate on that all we want. I I would just hope that I maybe. Mean, you know, the optics on things like this, be it from a fan standpoint, a Brian Reynolds standpoint, other players in the organization, other players outside the organization, like, is this really how you want to handle your best player? Right. Um, you know, so, man, it just, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it, Gary? Oh, man, it's... It, it does. And and I, I wrote about this the other day. It, it's not our job to create fans. Winning creates fans. Players create fans. This, this team at some point has to step up and start doing what's right by the fans. And I don't mean like, you know, they need to go and sign some guy for $400 million or something. Not like they would, but... They've got to start communicating with people a little bit. It's it's great that, you know, apparently the highest authority in the land opened up to DK about his intentions with Brian Reynolds. But tell Brian Reynolds. And, and you know what? Better yet, tell us. Tell us it's your intention to extend Brian Reynolds. Tell us flatly. That's what you want. Don't just vaguely say, I'm going to extend a few guys. And it doesn't have to happen. Washington comes out and says, hey, we really are trying to extend a guy. 
do it. Say it. Well, yeah. I mean, because if it doesn't happen, what's the worst that's going to happen? People still call you liars. I mean, like, you know, the people that think that that's what you are, that's what they think you are. I mean, so, yeah, I just, you know, it's just a shame that they don't seem to have a better approach to this. Um, And people are watching and um, a lot of different people. So, you know, I just, I, I hope that they, this doesn't keep dragging out. This is a heck of a way to have to start a season. I'm not one of these guys that likes to get dire. You know, I don't like to, I I don't, I don't buy into like when people talk about like, Oh, who's going to even be there to watch them? You know, the same saps that are here watching them now, they've sucked for a long time. I get it. Uh-huh. You know, like they're not going to go anywhere. And and the few that do, the few that do decide, oh, I'm done. The second that team starts winning again at some point, they'll be right back in. I truly don't worry about that at all. I really don't. And if you think like I'm telling you things to pump up the Pirates for ratings or clicks, or I could care less. I no. care less. That's first of all. That's we we don't operate that way with anything, let alone on this podcast. I mean, uh, but yeah, the total doomsday stuff. It you know, and by the way, baseball's not structured that way. I hate to break it to people. Um, if you don't want to go to a game, I totally support that. But it's not going to change one thing about how they do business. Not enough to matter anyway. Yeah, yeah, to, to for some seismic shift. That said, you know, we always talk about them not having money for certain things. We always say, oh, that's out of their price range. Well, it wouldn't be out of their price range if they'd do it once. You know, you got you to gotta spend money to make money. People say that all the time, and I think it applies to baseball a little bit too. I think sometimes you're going to have to stretch your pockets a little bit to put something on the field that people want to see. Now, if you want to tell me this team's right where we want it to be, I've got kids galore all over the place, and I want them to play. This is as intended. I'm not trying to suck. I'm trying to get better, but I'm trying to get better with this base. I might buy it. But otherwise, people just look at that payroll and laugh. I mean, I... It is laughable. The payroll well, the is laughable. The thing is, Jim, when this started in 2020, I, I literally wrote, this this payroll will be minuscule yeah. until 2025. And it will be. And it's not about like them going out and getting people. It's about they don't cost anything. That's the point of doing this. You know, I and, and look, my big thing is, is – and I tweeted this today and I've gotten a little bit of feedback and even some blowback about it where I just said, look, I'm just not going to support trading Brian Reynolds um, because I think it starts to box in how you have to think about the pirates. And this is the only way that they can do it is to trade Brian Reynolds to get the prospects or the pitching that's needed. No, it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm just not going to go down that road and I'm not going to justify it for them. So, um, you know, is that totally reasonable? Maybe not, but I think it's pretty reasonable. And I think that they could be adding um, and at least getting him signed for when you want to add. And they're not, and it seems like they don't want to entertain that 
or that's the perception that's out there. Yeah, I, I think that's completely acceptable. And everybody can fan the way they want to fan. I'm going to cover them one way or another as fairly as right. I can. Yeah, but... I mean, that's that's <clears throat> what pe- people get upset at us. Look, we're just telling you what we think, you know, and um, we get it. We get it. Um, trust us. I can but... understand why they're frustrating as much as I can understand why people love them. So it is what it is. And and I've told people all the time, they tell me, you know, I'm just not going to support it. I'm not going. I go, I totally get it. And I understand why you wouldn't. So let's talk a few position battles because we do got some things going on here in the spring that I think are starting to heat up and get pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, first one I have for you is the late push here by Diego Castillo. He's got four home runs now and, and just totally looks the part. He's even playing good defense. Um, Diego Castillo from Venezuela, as Juan would like us to mention. (laughs) Yes. Diego Castillo, he's killing it, I think. And Michael Chavis isn't. And I think they were in a a battle for roughly the same types of things, backing up third base, second base, except Diego Castillo, you can toss shortstop in there and no Mm -hmm. outfield, probably no first base. Right. So you lose a backup first baseman, but you've already got that anyway. Boy, that seems like a decision that they have to make. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I well, know you wanted I would, to see Chavis, so I, I, I did, and I do still. I think as much as we can get carried away with uh, good springs from people. You know, I think we can get carried away with bad springs. Now, he could come out and completely fall on his face. Um, but I just I just wouldn't I just wouldn't um, look at it like, oh, see, I knew I knew Chavis is, is garbage and it's it is spring training and that that goes both ways. Uh, we got to get to some real games. We've got to get to some real at bats and um, let let things play out a little. I'm not ready to cut the cord on Michael Chavis. I'm just not. Um, and and here's the other thing about Michael Chavis that I think at least I did. I was looking at some things. Um, I, I view him as being older than he is. And he's still 26 years old with some major league experience. Right. So you're taking a guy that um, – I mean, we talk about, and I think we're going to talk about uh, Bly Madris coming up. Yep. Uh, and what we're going to do with him. He's 26. So, like, we just need to – I I think of Chavis as being 28 or 29, and he's not. And I think if you've brought in here for the purpose of what they did, we still haven't got to see one way or the other yet. So I'd, I'd stick with it a little bit longer. I can, I can see that. I really can. But give me the give me the give me the um, uh, flip side to that because there is a legitimate one. Diego Castillo himself is is twenty four years old, mm-hmm. and that's a little long in the tooth for prospect. In fact, it's probably why he was available via trade because not and only they was traded he, for him. Well, not only was he like to the point where he had to be protected on the forty man, he was to the point where he was going to achieve minor league free agency if we if. He wasn't locked up. You're right. That's right. I forgot about that. So there's a reason that he was available to us. It's not that he stunk or anything. He's just 
had been in the system a really long time. And here he is performing, kicking butt, taking names, and 24 yeah. years old. What are you going to do? Send him down another couple weeks, half a year? What do you do? Because crawling right up his backside for second base is Nick Gonzalez in a, in a year or so. Yeah. So you want to give Diego Castillo a chance to, to get his sea legs under him. And, you know, if Michael Chavis isn't going to do anything, Diego Castillo is. Maybe meritocracy wins here. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, uh, there is a flip side to it. Um, my big fear, I mentioned it in the prior uh, segment with Juan, was I just – I don't want them to let a guy like Diego Castillo make the roster and then he's getting to play once every four or five days um, or three or four or whatever. Um, I just don't want to young. When I say young, I still think of 24 as young. I, I want guys to be getting at bats. And if he's not going to get that consistently, um, then I'd, I'd prefer they get him down there, let him get some bat at bats. Let's let Chavis – Let's get a longer look at Chavis. If it's a month or two and it's not working out, then I would bring him up, and that's that's how I would do it sitting here today. All right, but you're in charge of telling people that it was okay to send him down then. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, man. That's uh, that's an easy conversation for me to have with you. Is that fair to Diego Castillo and have to actually do that? Not at all. No, but, you know, you have another guy that, you know, you're still classifying as a prospect that – it potentially not fair to judge him on a couple weeks either. So I, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I can see it both ways. I just think at this point, Diego's earned it to me. And I don't think you worry about getting the extra year with him. So that's why I think it's more of a possibility he could actually start. Well, do you, you want to, you want to roll into this outfield situation? Cause it's, it's curious too. I think we have to. Yeah. So Anthony Alford was kind of anointed. Like he was going to be the starter. That's about the second year in a row that's happened. And the second year in a row, he's not done much. In fact, mm -hmm. this spring's been brutal. It's actually looked a lot like the beginning of his 2021, not the way he ended it. Yeah. Um, we've seen the good. We've seen the bad. We've mostly seen the bad. Lyme Madras got his first crack at being in the big league camp this year, and he's done nothing but hit. And the dude is a good fielder. He certainly looks the part. He's built. He's 26 years old. I'd say that's a direct 40-man swap to me. I get I rid would, of Anthony Alford, and I, I promote Blime Address. Yeah, he, you know, as especially for a guy at 26 still being in your system, it is, it'd be time, right? It's time, right. To, it's time to at least get some kind of look at him, look at him. Um, and let him be the guy that uh, kind of spells people out there, you know, ease him into that kind of role, and then see how he does. But how much longer? Like I hate to be like this too because I love Bly, and I, I know him personally. I talked to him a lot. It, it he's twenty six years old. Yeah, this is a guy that you bring up because he earned it in spring, and and the guy he's replacing wasn't that good. And you go, Bly, here's your shot, brother. And and if he gets overtaken by somebody from AAA and you got to DFA the guy, he's going to get an opportunity somewhere else. 
This is the year where that has to be decided. He's not going to be in AAA at 27 with the outfielders they got coming up. No. Just, so let him play. I, I I think especially to the way things are lining up kind of personnel-wise on this roster, you, you'd be it'd be silly not to do it. Right. Um, just bait. because – Yeah, because otherwise, let's talk about if you don't, then let's look at who we're asking to kind of fill in out there without, you know, any type of injury situation or anything. It leaves them a little short there. Yes. You I, know. To me, I just I think it's time to cut loose of Alfred. I think we've seen enough. I'd give Blam Madris a shot. Either way, I'm getting rid of Alfred. I just I'm done. Yeah. I, and and you get that point on players. And it takes me a while to get there. Yeah. I'm pretty slow to do it. But when I do, I'm pretty serious about it. I just don't see any more value there. Like we talked about, seems like a good guy. Um, you know, it's a shame he's gotten hurt some. Um, maybe he'll catch on somewhere else, but I think they're at the point now where it's, t- it's time to move on organizationally for a lot of reasons. So what do you say? You want to do our call our shot segment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got that too, man. We just had so much to do. It's right. uh, get, get sidetracked, dude. Plus, we're, we're trying to be tidier show hosts and, and get the show down to a, a more manageable time. I know. So, all right, let's go ahead and uh, let's play Call Your Shot. What's the relationship between player stigma and fan experience? If you perceive the players to be arrogant and greedy, then you're probably not going to be a fan and you're certainly not going to have a great fan experience. What are the opportunities and the obligations of the league, of the players, and of the fans to change that experience and make it a positive win-win? That's my question. That's a lot. That's a a meal right there. That's that's our friend Tina Ferguson. And, um, yeah. We've met. We she she has a vested interest in this. Let's just be upfront about that. She's the the mother-in-law of Brian Reynolds, and she's very very active on social media. So you know, we talk an awful lot. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think she sent me this right after the CBA buttoned up because mm-hmm. I think it was offensive to her hearing how many people were saying the players are greedy and and whatnot, and you know, and then she's got you know, her son-in-law basically going through an arbitration fight for $650,000. So puts a little different spin on it. Doesn't it? It's easy to. Yeah. So when you, when you really think about it though, like what, what relationship do do the, the fans have with the players? I think when we're not in a CBA situation, I think they line up with the players a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they begrudge them making anything. If anything, I think they believe every team executive, and I'm including Dodgers in this, are cheap and will not pay what they should for a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they've her, all come up. They've all come up to the minors. They, they, they know some of that is very true. Yeah. Well, the perfect example was like Clayton Kershaw last year. He wouldn't have gotten signed by the Dodgers if they didn't raise the CBA ceiling. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Dodgers were, you know, the fans were screaming at them that they were cheap for not re-signing Clayton Kershaw. So, yeah, you know, it. 
I don't know that there's anything that's truly going to fix that because at the end of the day, I think most people just want to be mad at rich people and it doesn't matter which rich people they're mad at. Um, and I think in normal times, the players win that battle most of the time. It's, it's funny. You touched on the part that I was going to go to a little bit more, which is, um, especially during CBA times and labor disagreements, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a very, very uh, hot climate to be in for everybody, owners, players, fans, everybody. And when it's as nasty as it gets in baseball with these negotiations, um, and it's quite frankly, from what I understand and from what we've experienced in prior ones, it's always kind of been this way. Um, And so you've got two entities that are, constantly bashing one another right. trying to get trying to get their uh goals accomplished which but okay, also I, need each other <laughs> but also yeah it's a symbiotic thing that you would think that they could understand but in the heat of the moment it's very much like politics you'll say whatever you need to say right to come out on top and so but what's not realized there is that people are sitting back watching that and they're believing some of that stuff, whether it's true or not. And that stuff tends to linger. And I think that that's how we get to the point that we are kind of today. I'd also say nothing will ever make it go away. I don't think, but you can make it better. And, and I do think uh, we've seen that in the salary cap leagues. You don't see it as often. Um, you get a little bit of like, uh, oh, that's way too much for this guy or something along those lines. But mm-hmm. it's not really begrudging them the money as much as the amount or the percentage that the team is paying them of what they have to give overall. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not it's I don't think it creates resentment amongst about the players in, in well, particular. No. And in, in the big thing there is when you talk about the other leagues is like, you're not fighting over the massive amounts that you're trying to fight over in baseball because, you know, that's all been settled and everybody is, you know, operating out of the same system. Well, that's not what's going on in baseball and a lot of money, a lot of problems and a lot's at stake and people can be, get uh, defensive and desperate about that as well. Well, that's kind of the other part of it that I was going to say about the salary cap system because I think it leaves a little bit of that lingering amongst like the players, but not as much where it really benefits is you don't hear this backroom battling between the players and the owners. They're, they're treated more as a symbiotic, you know, in in the other ones because they kind of have the percentages built in. They know they're getting an X amount. They know this is right. You know, then you're just parameters already. Yeah. You're just talking about rule changes and, stricter enforcement of drug policies and um, who gets to punish who. And I I just think overall baseball does itself a disservice by continuing to be the wild, wild west of financial systems. I, I I was literally just thinking it's the wild west in baseball and you're seeing, you know, um, whatever goes, goes and, uh, we just don't have that in the other sports, or they do a better job of keeping it under wraps when there is some yeah. discontent. Yeah, I'm not saying it's always good. The Steelers didn't even ratify it a few years back. So, 
It's not as though it's perfect. It's just you just don't hear it. It's not the mm-hmm. nat- and the national media is not as hungry to to tell you that the sky is falling outside of baseball. Baseball media is the worst. It really is. They are so <laughs> one sided. It 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 is kind of a that's something that I don't know that gets mentioned enough is that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of sketchiness going on about who's covering all this in baseball and who they're protecting and the fires they're stoking. And um, it has a huge impact on things. Right. So, Hey, great question, Tina. We will, well, I'll see you at opening day. I'll be there. So we'll talk then and uh, good stuff. So Jim, any parting shots, man? I heard you were on a podcast, not outside of uh, your local time zone here. I wasn't. Um, well, first let's just mention that we are going to be on uh, around the four, one, two. Right. And I believe that will come out on is Monday. it Monday? Yeah. yeah. Well, we so we're gonna an get extra show that next week too. Right. So we got the media blitz going on, dude. And um as far as I know, it's um uh definitely we're gonna talk about the pirates because we're talking opening day stuff. And we're even gonna talk some maybe some penguins and steelers. So uh Gary and I get let out of our pirates cage for once. Yeah. So there's and, that. Yeah, there's that. And then um, I was able to, uh, we mentioned the Jaggies earlier, and um, my buddy Kyle Kreis, and he does a podcast for Behind the Steel Curtain, and uh, it's called What Jin's Talking About. And uh, <laughs> I jumped on there and uh, did a segment for them talking about the Jaggies and how that kind of all got started. And um just maybe a little bit of the the uh, insight to there. So check that out for me and um, look out for Gary and I doing other things too. Yep. So, and then we're going to next show next week. We're going to do a little bit of a pre yeah. pre season opener show. We're going to take that empty, empty time slot on Wednesday night for that. And we'll have our normal show on Friday as well. Um, so stay tuned. We'll, we'll have updates as we learn more about how we're going to execute it, but we'll let you know. And, yeah, uh, just just keep an eye on us on Twitter. We'll, we'll we'll fill you guys all in on all the happenings. Yeah, but hey, good stuff, man. It was a great talk. And uh, follow the show at Pirates Fan Forum on Twitter. Follow us, of course. Uh, email us in those call your shots. We really, really like the segment. PiratesFanForum at Yahoo.com. And uh, the more the merrier. We, we love, love yes. getting the different perspectives and topics. So, without further ado, Ben, take it away, brother. Yes, yes, but.